This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You all know I love traveling, but last year I found myself living in Germany during lockdown, okay? Lockdown meaning I had no friends, no support system, I couldn't speak the language. I was truly locked inside for months with my only social outings involving going to the grocery store and my only outlet being work, which was fast track to feeling burnt out and isolated. I knew I needed help and someone to talk to, so I downloaded BetterHelp. It was exactly what I needed, and I've been using it ever since then. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You can talk to your therapist in a private, online environment at your own convenience. I currently do it in my bedroom while traveling. One of the reasons I continue to use BetterHelp is because of the range of expertise and their 20,000-plus therapist network. It gives you access to help that you may not find available in your area. For example, maybe you're struggling with relationships, so you're seeking out someone who specializes in relationships. Or maybe you're struggling with family dynamics or depression, and you want to find someone that specializes in those fields, you can filter it out on the app. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Then you can schedule secure video and phone sessions, plus you can exchange unlimited messages and everything you share is completely confidential. I use the text feature all the time with my therapist, Rosalie. Between sessions, I'll share what's coming up, like any triggers or issues that I'm facing, and she helps me work through them before our next video session. It's honestly my favorite feature, especially with my time zone difference here in South Africa. And here's the thing, finding the right therapist is like dating, and you have to find the right match. Fortunately, with BetterHelp, you can request a new therapist at no additional charge anytime. Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. And guess what? You get a 10% discount off your first month of therapy. Just use my link betterhelp.com slash rife10. Oh, and P.S. They have financial aid. So check that out too. Again, use code rife10 at checkout or head to the link in my show notes where the code is automatically applied. Hello, everybody. It's me, Chelsea, back from the dead. I know Halloween just happened, and I did not mean to ghost you all, but I accidentally did, and I apologize. I had no intention whatsoever for ghosting my podcast the last few weeks, but wow, wow, wow. Let me teach you a lesson on overcommitting yourself. I just ended my four-month trip with remote year, and it was the best four months ever, and simultaneously the most stimulating, active, sensory overload experience that I've ever had. I mean, every single week, it felt like a new vacation, but you know, when you go on vacation, you come back and you try to rest and chill to reset because you're so thrown off your routines. You need that reset period. Well, that reset period didn't happen for me because I was on a trip for four months. I took two solo trips in that time period, which sort of helped. But I mean, one of them, I ended up like partying and meeting a guy from a dating app and basically resting for one day. So that wasn't nearly enough for the level of socializing and stimulation that occurred since July. So that trip started in July. It just ended a few days ago and I will spare you all the details, but let's just say I severely, severely underestimated what it would take to manage one-on-one clients in a new time zone. Okay. So I'm always 
six to nine hours ahead of most of my clients, launch mic drops third round, offer a bunch of free consults, run the podcast, and then do all the activities on remote year, plus about four other major commitments I had with guest speaking, brand partners, et cetera. I mean, I guess you could say I burnt out. So if you're like, I feel burnt out too. I feel like everyone has felt that at some point either this year and especially recently, like I think now that the pandemic is, it's not over, right? People are still getting COVID, but we don't have that lockdown period anymore. At least most places don't. So I think a lot of us have this feeling of like, I need to get back to it. I need to go into like sports mode, turbo mode and like turn the fuck on and go, go, go. And I think that's what's leading us to a lot of burnout. Now, burnout actually consists of three dimensions, according to Christina Maslach. She says that the three dimensions of burnout are emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, which is cynicism, and reduced personal accomplishment. She goes on to say that emotional exhaustion is reflected in the presence of feelings of exhaustion due to work, and this is also the main but not the only criteria of the burnout syndrome. Depersonalization is also a feature of the burnout syndrome that is characteristic of the helping professions and refers to negative responses to various aspects of work and a negative attitude towards working colleagues with indifference to work and alienation from the psychological state of patients. So this is actually a study about burnout in the healthcare sector. And then lastly, she says that reduced personal accomplishment is a dimension of self-assessment in the burnout syndrome and refers to the experience of incompetence and lack of achievement and productivity at work. We've probably all experienced burnout at some point, and right now, the numbers don't lie. There's a research paper that says millennials are the most burned out generation, okay, that's not an award that we want to be waving around, with 59% experiencing some symptoms of burnout. Gen Zers burn out much faster than any other generation. They went from 47% to 58% in just a year. So I know there's, you know, like a TikTok social media battle between Gen Z and millennials, but y'all, I think we need to regroup and have a burnout rehab center and do some anonymous meetings because these data points aren't something to be proud of. Now, I personally realize I need to simplify my business and like slow the hell down. And you might be wondering, yeah, how can we get out of this tornado of burnout that we've created for ourselves? And especially if you're a business owner, how can you do it without feeling like your business is going to crash and burn? Because I know that feeling. It's if I stop now, everything I've worked on will burn down. So I have to push, 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 do more calls, take on more clients, work late, skip meals, and then hopefully one day this will all just clean itself up. Unfortunately, that's not how life works. And there's a very slim chance that magical thinking is just going to all of a sudden change this overnight. Fortunately, Casey Rossi is on the show today, and Casey is going to help us understand what burnout is, how we can avoid it, and how we can simplify things for ourselves and relax our nervous system. Casey is a business and leadership coach who helps mission-driven CEOs and entrepreneurs optimize their performance, productivity, and profits. She's actually been a full-time entrepreneur since 1991 and has built six and seven-figure businesses, and she's also a certified mindset coach emotional intelligence practitioner, and trained in NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming, which allows her to bring deep insight to her coaching. She's also the founder of the Soul Print Method, a holistic approach that harnesses mindset and emotional intelligence to build a profitable and soul-aligned business without burnout. And if you thought that was it, that's not it. She's also a podcast host. 
She hosts the Women Developing Brilliance, the Spirit of Business podcast, which is a show dedicated to cultivating confidence, increasing visibility, elevating vibration, and leading with purpose. I was on episode 192 back in June talking all about podcasting, so be sure to check it out. Some things that Casey and I talk about in this episode are steps to recovering from burnout and perfectionism and creating white space in your calendar, aka my favorite thing to see in my calendar, the do now think later kind of attitude in dealing with problems in business, choosing long-term partners for business, and how to make sure that the relationship and business partnership can stay intact while finding balance and boundaries and dynamics. Also, what is adrenal fatigue, right? That was like all over Instagram one year. And I was like, why is everyone using this term as if we ever learned this in school? I mean, maybe you all learned it in your school. I did not learn it in my school, my college. I had never heard of it until social media and podcasts came out. So we talk about what exactly it is. What are the symptoms? How do you know if you have it? And how do you know if it's going to be a problem? We discuss having the mindset that success is a long haul. And one of my favorite pieces of advice that Casey gave to listeners in this episode is give yourself so much self-grace and compassion and understand that it's really integrating into your body again and feeling what normal is, what breathing is supposed to be like, right? That sounds pretty logical, but you would be surprised how many of us don't even take deep breaths throughout the day and we run on cortisol and anxiety and we're hoping that that just gets us through the end of our lives. So by the end of this episode, I hope you walk away understanding you don't have to do more to make more money or impact, and it's actually okay to slow down. Now, quickly, before we get into it, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. This month, I'm giving away two lucky winners, my interview like Oprah masterclass, completely free. All you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts. So you go to my show, scroll down to where it says write a review, write your review, and then screenshot that probably before you hit submit because Apple's weird sometimes, and then send it to info at chelsearipe.com or DM me at chelsearipe to be entered. And I will pull two winners at the end of this month so you can learn all about mastering interviews and becoming an incredible host like Oprah. And lastly, I have a very exciting update. While I was on my ghost period, that doesn't mean I wasn't recording episodes or thinking of new ideas for you all. I was, I'm always ideating. And I want to talk to you guys. So there's now a spot in my show notes where you can leave voice notes. So send me a voice note. I want to do a segment where I give my expert or non-expert opinion on, and it can be anything from podcasting, dating, money, travel, life. Just share your question with me and I'll answer it live on air. Again, you can find that link in my show notes and please use it. I want to hear from you guys. All right, let's get into this week's episode with Casey Rossi. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. I am so excited to have Casey Rossi, a business and leadership coach on. Welcome to In My Non-Expert Opinion, Casey. Thank you so much, Chelsea. It's great to be here. I'm so excited to chat to you today because you are someone who has been in entrepreneurship for, I believe, 30 plus years. Is that correct? Yeah, this is year 32. Okay, 32. (laughs) So yeah, you have a lot of wisdom to share with us. A lot of my audience is people that are just starting out or they've been in business for one to two years and it feels like the struggle bus, right? It's like, oh my God, I've tried everything and why is nothing working and why am I not a millionaire yet? And why is it so hard every day? And I feel like that's something that you've helped people with is recovering from burnout and perfectionism and people pleasing. So this is going to be absolutely conversation. Yeah. Awesome. So something that, you know, stood out to me is that 
you wrote about burnout before. And I'm assuming you maybe had a rock bottom moment with burnout. Is that true? Yes, several actually. And I think speaking of the struggle bus, I mean, my business partner and I did nine different businesses in a four-year period. And it was definitely the struggle bus. And I think one of the big things that I saw in my own pattern, but that I also see in others is we're not giving it long enough to take hold and to blossom. So for us, you know, it was just like rapid fire. Oh, that didn't work in four months. Okay, what else can we do? What else can we do? And we did that nine different iterations and it was really getting exhausting. In fact, I joked, you know, if our 10th one doesn't work, let's just agree that we're going to get conventional jobs. Okay. And as it was, the 10th one took off and that was a chocolate manufacturing company for 17 years that we did. But that struggle bus is real. It absolutely is. And during that period of time to your question of burnout, I think that for me personally, I had really subscribed to this old paradigm of hustle and grind is needed in order to be successful. And I had like a very... I would say like masculine, linear, logical way of approaching it. Like I dressed a certain way because I thought that was professional. I was very separate. I had a very black and white life in my nine to five. And I was kind of guarded during that time, even though we had a team. But then I could live my real life where I was spiritual and I meditated and I loved art and culture like after the work day was done. So it was very disintegrated and I absolutely ended up with adrenal fatigue and burnout. And I would say for almost 10 years. And even though I was getting those diagnoses, I was almost wearing it as a badge, being a perfectionist myself. It was like, I'm really working hard and now this proves it. So Mm. yeah, so I do have experience. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate to not only notice it, but to be proactive and to architect our life in ways that we're not going to be, you know, creating a monster for ourselves. Wow. I want to talk about those nine different business attempts were they all within the same field and you were just reiterating, you know, was it like software? Let's just try this nine different ways or was it totally different industries? Completely different. Everything from exterior house painting to watercolor, gem and mineral, like a jewelry business to concession stand, soft pretzels. I mean, they were just all over Everything. the board. <laughs> yeah. Did you, like, I'm curious when, with all those different things, did you guys have backgrounds or experiences in those? And so you're like, well, we like watercolors. Let's do that. We like jewelry. Let's do that. Or were you looking at like, this is a profitable business market. Let's try that. We really started out with the creative aspects first. My business partner is a fine artist. So she had that like technical art ability. I was 19. So I really didn't have a lot of experience at all. Right. So I was just like, okay, I was like along for the ride. I mean, really, when I came to the table, I was sheltered, I was introverted. So she was really the honey, sweetie, like outward, outgoing personality. And so it was really just learning by doing. And it was just like, well, what could we do with our collective skills that would be fun and creative? And that's really where we started. And how it turned into pretzels is we originally created, we were thinking, what do people like use and love and get excited by? And we were like, chocolate, that's awesome. And we originally created a single truffle that was just beautifully decorated. And I remember, you know, I was kind of pushed into the sales role because again, I had no experience. Neither one of us had been to college. So this was all boots on the ground, you know, let's learn as we go. And so I was calling these large department stores 
and I was, you know, pitching the product and then I was asked what the shelf life was. And I was like, um, I have no idea what even a shelf life is. Like, <laughs> I have no clue. Let's figure that out. So anyway, needless to say, that particular handmade truffle did not have a shelf life. And so we really took all of our truffle creativity and put it on something that had a good shelf life, which was pretzel sticks. And we put two pretzel rods together and enrobed them in all these fancy chocolates and toppings. And it really, at the time, because this was early 90s, the market had never seen it before. To the point, they thought it was candles or potpourri. Like we had actually had to do some like market education that, no, this is edible, even though they're so beautiful, like it's edible. And that was just honestly, like figuratively and literally the sweet spot that really took the market by storm. Wow. And 19 years old, no college background, no education. No, Where did you get the entrepreneurial spirit? I would say that my dad's always been a creator and an inventor, even though he had a conventional job. And actually, he's 80 and still works six days a week. So you can see where some of my modeling of like the push and grind is. <laughs> so that absolutely, I was very influenced and still am by my dad. And he was a financial investor, but always had this like creative, zany, let me like invent something. It was kind of his hobby. So I would say that I learned from that, even though he had the conventional route, and I wouldn't say was like a quote unquote entrepreneur, but he was a creator and an inventor. I think from Cher, my best friend, she was 24 years my senior. And so she's had a lot of business experience when I first met her. And so I would say that her do now think later attitude mm. <laughs> is absolutely how we jumped in the pond where I think left to my own devices. I would think, think, create a spreadsheet and think some more. So she really allowed me to break out of my mind and just like do and test the waters and reiterate and do again. So that was, I think, a big learning lesson for me at a young age. And you said your business partner is 24 years your senior? Yes. So I have to ask, how did she find a 19-year-old with no experience and being like, that's who I want to partner with? <laughs> Such a good question. No one's ever asked me that before. So we actually met at a spiritual retreat center in upstate New York. And it uh, was a meditation path. We're both still on it, actually. And I see her every single day. We're still besties and in each other's world in a big way. So that's where we met. And it just clicked. We, you know, it's like when you meet someone and you have synergy. And that's literally what I have with Cher. It's like one plus one is 10. We've just been a dynamic duo for all of these decades. And I don't talk to many people that have worked with a business partner for that many different iterations of business. It's usually they tried one thing, maybe two, and then it worked out. Or just like, you know what, maybe we're not meant to be business partners. And you guys tried 10 different times and then it took off. How did you make sure that your friendship and business partnership stayed intact? You know, and how did you find balance and boundaries between those dynamics? Yeah, such a good question. I would say that for our particular partnership, spirituality was the foundation. And so that absolutely, I think, created trust and love and respect and like the pieces that you would want in any kind of relationship or partnership, business or personal. And because we meditate every single day, that absolutely helps with the grounding, the centering, the managing emotions and all of that. That coupled with when I first was in her world, I would say a year in maybe, her mom had had a head-on car accident. And she was actually pronounced dead on arrival. And she survived. But three days after the accident, she had a stroke. 
And so we really were at this crossroads of, am I going to help her physically take care of her mom who was paralyzed? Or was I going to go my own way and be like, good luck with that, you know, in so many words. And it that was a real like fork in the road. And it was like, well, I absolutely need to do that. And so we ended up having her mom come and live with us and we took care of her. We were her full-time caregiver. And I think that when you're connected with like a mission and a passion bigger than the petty day-to-day, there is kind of this unbreakable bond because we were really living for Margie, caring for her, you know, nursing her back to even speaking, talking, walking, the whole thing. And so I think that that uh, coupled with the spiritual foundation is really what initially created such an intense bond. Wow. Yeah, that's a good point to make that you guys were working towards something bigger than yourself. And then when you have that true familial bond that brought you guys together, it's like, we're in this for the long haul, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about the adrenal fatigue that you experienced because you said it went on for years and years and years. For someone who doesn't know what that feels like, can you actually describe like the physical symptoms or what you were feeling and how you actually knew that this could be a problem? Yeah, absolutely. So I think initially I just associated it with hard work. You know, well, of course you're going to be tired and exhausted at the end of the day. And, you know, the dark circles under your eyes, it was like, yeah, you know, you could put cover up. Like we find these ways to adapt. And I think that when you have this model of, you know, in order to be a seven plus figure earner, because that's what our chocolate company ended up growing to, that this is just what it is. Like when you have a team of 12 to 25, because we were seasonal, we did 80% of our business in fourth quarter. So that's another kind of recipe for burnout is when there's such a strong, intense load with seasonality and that your body never gets a chance to recover. Like when I started seeing signs of every holiday, when we would just take two weeks off from Christmas to that new year period, I would get like flat on my back sick. And that was when I started to see this pattern where it was like, I don't know if we should plan any vacation because the minute my body turns off, like sickness just flooded. And that just became like the yearly Christmas present. (laughs) I'm going to get sick again. So, you know, your body, I think, just adapts. Like it's trying to keep up with you. And so it took a while for me to even recognize it. At the zenith, when I was really like, oh, you know, something is seriously wrong here. I was getting visual migraines Mm -hmm. on a continuum, like three a a week, where my vision would completely blur. It would be kind of the only thing that would incapacitate me because I'm a Taurus. So I'm very familiar with bullying through. <laughs> I have no, no problem at all. I'm very stubborn. So I can bull on through and just like, you know, that was that push and grind. So it kind of matched up for me. And the visual migraines were the only thing where it's like, well, I can't see anything. So how am I going to do? And I ended up just, we had a little back office upstairs and I brought a small couch in. And I was like, this will maximize my time because my vision would be blurred for about 20 minutes and then I could get right back to it. And I was like, well, this will save commute time. If I just put a little couch in the back, you know, cover my eyes for the 20 minutes and get right back to it. And I think that I really started to see that as a big thing. I gained 80 pounds in one year, changing nothing with my food or diet, but it was the increased cortisol and the increased stress. And that was a wake up call too, because of course, we're like, you know, we bring ourselves with us wherever we go. And that's a massive amount of weight to gain. So it was like, 
oh, something's going on. So now we started seeing like compounding physical things like the dark circles, the thinning hair, started getting thinning hair at the top and then, you know, having a very strong physical change. So it was like, okay. And I started looking deeper into like holistic modalities, but it was still more of like, how can I bandaid over this so I can keep going? And it really wasn't until... I started integrating burnout in my marketing, which was really years later that I was like, I have to walk my talk and be an integrity because I can't help other women with burnout if I don't heal my own burnout. And that was a couple year healing journey. Like once I came to that realization, because you're unthreading perfectionism. And so you're also trying to make friends or even become aware of your nervous system again. Because all those feelings in my body of like waking up and feeling late, even though I wasn't or behind the eight ball or like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to you? Like my body was so used to this fight or flight feeling that that was my normal. So to unthread that, I just want to say this for your listeners, if they're experiencing this, give yourself so much self-grace and compassion and understand that it's really integrating into your body again and feeling what normal is, what breathing is supposed to be like, not the shallow, quicker breathing, not that nervousness and butterflies in your stomach when you wake up. Like That may be your normal, but that's not really normal. That's not balance or homeostasis. So that's a long answer to your question, but it's a very layered process. And it's like almost untangling a bunch of necklaces. When you start to heal your own adrenal fatigue and burnout, you just have to unthread it very gracefully and patiently and know that it took you some time to get there. And it's going to take some time to kind of rebound it. It won't be a quick, in my experience, like bounce back. And that's okay. Like, that's part of shedding that like, you can sleep when you're dead, like bounce back to be resilient. Like that's a part of shedding that old story. Right. That reminds me of a quote my therapist once said of like, if it took you four miles to walk into a forest, it takes you four miles to walk back out. Or when you go on a hike, you hike to the top, but you also have to get down to the bottom. So it sounds like you said with burnout, if you've been dealing it for 10 years, it's not going to take one week. And all of a sudden you're back to homeostasis. So I'm curious, what was one of the first few steps that you took to start healing that burnout? Great question. It was creating white space in my calendar. I used to program myself like a robot. Like that was my comfort zone is like do, 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 do every single day. And when I started, you know, really thinking about, I think Marie Forleo calls it the no train, you know, (laughs) I was like, okay, what am I going to say yes to? What am I going to say no to? And then understanding that concept of whatever we say yes to, we're automatically squeezing out and saying no to other things. So I really wanted to be mindful of the priorities. And that not only included what obligations I said yes to, because again, coming from that people pleasing background, right? We don't want to disappoint. So it's really easy to see how we can over schedule, over deliver, over commit, you know, all the overs, but really kind of it pushed me into understanding my priorities and also getting used to what white space looked like, what was realistic and respecting myself like I wasn't a robot and then learning to politely decline to things that didn't match up with my deep why or my most important things. Mm, that's so important. I feel like white space in the calendar is 
like a tagline that we should all strive for is like, (laughs) do I have a lot of white space in my calendar? Yes or no. But I know that's something that's coming to mind is a lot of people that start their business trade time for money. So it's, you know, I have to be on the Zoom call coaching someone in order to receive the invoice paid. So I know when sometimes people hear white space, they're like, that sounds like less meetings, which means less money and I need money to live my life. So how did you start figuring out how to structure your business where you could have more white space without sacrificing income to live? Yeah, absolutely. I think it really comes down to mindset first and foremost. Like, are we plugged into lack and limitation? Are we plugged into that grind, hustle, will work for pay? Because I would guess that most people did not create their own business to feel like that. That's most of the time what we are escaping from that nine to five and working with somebody else's logistical aspects of our day. But however, it just sometimes comes down, it distills at the end, like, wait, (laughs) I did create this for myself. And so for me, it was really doing a couple of different things. The simplification process really extended beyond just my calendar. So the things that I could control, like minimizing social media, because that can take up a tremendous amount of time. In fact, the current stat is that most Americans spend 147 minutes a day on social media platforms, which is absolutely incredible. It's over two hours. So when you think about that and you really get honest with yourself, how does that make you feel? Does that put you in this spin, going down the rabbit hole, getting imposter syndrome, draining your energy for the most important things? Because if you were really honest about your calendar, you would probably have a lot more white space. Like everything that you're filling your calendar is not income generating. That's just the fact. So that's one thing is getting honest about where you are spending your time, really being so protective about your energy bandwidth. When you're involved in like non-essentials, is it making you feel expansive and on purpose and alive and filling up those energy tanks? Or is it doing the opposite? Are you feeling drained and tired? Do you feel like you want to procrastinate more? Are you going through like, wow, that looks so amazing. Look what she looks like on Instagram. Oh, I can't dance like that on Reels. So maybe I'll just, you know crawl under a rock. Like I'm being extreme, but like, these are the things that we feel, right? These are the things we feel. So simplifying not only our calendar, but what we do with our time is huge. And diversifying our income is such another big part of that. So not being dependent on one thing. We've all heard that when we put our eggs in one basket, that's when we're not really built up to be anti-fragile because life happens and it's not when it's going to happen. It's, you know, it's not if it's going to happen, it's when it's going to happen. So how as entrepreneurs can we creatively architect our business and our offerings in a way that's going to safeguard us? I like to equate it to diversifying your portfolio if you do anything with the stock market at all. So when you look at that, you're not just investing in one stock, putting everything you have in something that's high risk, and then hoping for the best in sitting back. Very similar to as an entrepreneur, when we're crafting our offerings, do you have a stair-stepped approach? Do you have like a ladder approach of offerings that your clients can dip their toe in maybe in a lower investment, maybe have an online opportunity or course so you don't have to be present? Making yourself the nucleus of your business is a surefire way for burnout. And so when you can diversify your offerings and also diversify the amount of time that you have to be in there, 
for the cash register to ring, that will absolutely set you up for success. And then also as you grow, I know you said your audience is like one to three year. And so this is something that you don't want to throw at the wall all at once. But you know, certainly that one-on-one coach which is an excellent way to start to build your rapport to build your bank account, but then moving into one-to-many where you can really maximize your time, maximize the dollars coming back. That's a great component when you're looking at diversifying your portfolio. And then also getting really honest with yourself of your rates. You know, what are you charging? Is it time to increase that? What value are you delivering? Does that match it? Because that will also bust you out of that will work for pay hourly mindset. And so it really kind of goes back, like I said, to how you're architecting your business and the mindset that's involved in it. And once you get those pieces dialed in, you're really more tapped into the get to philosophy versus the got to philosophy. So like I get to architect my calendar in a way that I'm coaching Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday versus I'm on all the time 24-7. And that was a big thing for me that I had to learn and unwire. I had no boundaries. I would be answering emails, you know, working all hours, seven days a week. I'd be so tied in to the beeps, the buzzers, the alerts, the flags. And that's really taxing on your nervous system. So it's really about changing how we perceive business should look and tap more into how business actually feels for us. Oh, so beautiful. I feel like we could talk about this for three more hours because this is something that what you just said is like, we got into business to help people, but also not work a hundred hours a week. Like most of us leave the corporate burnout cycle to not feel that, but somehow then we jump right back into it. And I feel like that's actually what you just said of, you know, not everything on your calendar is income generating. I think if you come from a corporate American background, like I did, you start to make that mistake. Like if my calendar isn't filled with back-to-back meetings, then I must not be working. And if I'm not working, I'm not making money. And there's also this funny thing that happens of like, if I have eight hours off, is someone watching me right now? Like, am I getting in trouble because I'm not on Zoom? I'm, I'm not checking my Slack, but again, we have to decondition and let go of some of those things Like you have to be working 80 hours plus a week. And looking at your calendar, like you said, is everything income generating or am I just doing calls to fill up you know, my calendar? And I think all of us have been in that position where we're working on Sunday night, Saturday night, answering Voxer. And I personally started turning off notifications. I have notifications off on everything. I don't get anything on my screen. I do not disturb on my laptop. I check Voxer only twice a day. I don't even have text message alerts. Like I have to go in and check because what you just said, all the buzzing and beeps and flashes started throwing me off and putting me in constant response mode. So do you have other advice or like safety guardrails for people that are just feeling like straight up overwhelmed? Like what are some very practical things you would recommend? Absolutely. What you said, I love that tip. That's something that really helped me as well is minimizing those beeps and buzzers. I know that some people actually take the social media apps and depending on your industry off their phone. So there is like a dedicated work block that they have to actually go to their desk, their desktop and take care of business versus, you know, falling prey to that. And I think the other piece is 
really recognizing what's creative avoidance when you're looking at your time. So if you have a day that's scheduled with masterminds, one-on-ones, coffee chats that are not business related, but somehow make you feel that you're connecting with like-minded people, which is always great, but where and how many times in the week are you doing that? You know, so for myself, I had reserved Fridays for networking. And so I would just, you know, have a specific calendar link set up in my scheduler that if we're going to do a coffee chat or anything that's networking, it's going to be Friday at a very specific time. So I think having dedicated blocks for what you intend to do absolutely helps eliminate the overwhelm. I think when you're looking at increasing productivity, really tuning into your unique personality, when do you work the best? Do you work the best like 8 to 10 or 8 to noon? If so, really be so protective of that space and get those most important things done. Harness your creativity. And this way, it will help you feel not behind the eight ball at all. You're not going to have guilt at the end of the day. You're not going to be having regrets at the end of the day. But on the same token, if you're not a morning person and you come alive at 10 o'clock, then focus that time to do your creative work, your content building, your podcast recording, whatever works for you. I think that really helps because otherwise, when we're willy-nilly and we don't have those guardrails in your words of, this is my deep work block. It's non-negotiable. Whether I'm punching a clock for somebody else or I am my own calendar keeper, I'm going to respect this deep work block and focus and then come out and have a rest period because we can't stay in that high, high elevation all the time. And I think that's something that is really easy to fall prey to is if I'm going to be a high achiever, if I'm going to make X dollars per month, I've got to be on all the time. And our nervous system and our physical body doesn't work like that. And so kind of checking in, when was the last time you stood, took a water break, breathed, looked outside into the green nature, went outside barefoot and got grounded on Mother Earth? Like there were so many days that I'd be humped over the screen and I'd be like, oh my gosh, like eight hours, 10 hours went by and I had no clue, but my neck feels it and my hips are all seized up. And so... I think, you know, connecting your mind to your body is one of those surefire ways because as high achievers and just focused on the to-do list, we can live right up here, neck up. And we're so disconnected from our body, our nervous system, and all of our functions that we're not approaching it in an integrated way. So I would say as a really practical tip, tune into your body, maybe even have a little post-it note or maybe kind of become accustomed to at the top of the hour, you take a minute to stretch. Like simple, simple stuff that can just add fluidity because like begets like. If you add breath and fluidity and water in your physical system, you're going to notice that it's going to open up when you're coming and approaching your projects. I love that. And I feel like I just read something about how someone was like, start managing your energy versus your time, obviously manage your time too. But what you just said, if you can clock your own energy and you see, wow, I'm not a morning person. So why do I keep scheduling meetings at 8am? That's working against you. And so you're constantly fighting this like tidal wave of overwhelm because you're not paying attention to your energy. So that is super helpful. And something that you have mentioned a few times is like you're a Taurus and you have spirituality and you used to think like, oh my gosh, I need to just separate these two things. And I'm curious, how have you integrated your spirituality or faith into your business? 
Yeah, thank you for asking. So important. And it took a little time. And I'll have to say that my podcast, Women Developing Brilliance, is what helped me kind of crack through the insecurity of integrating it. Because as the universe has it, I started getting these guests that were super spiritual, that were metaphysical, that were talking about chakras, that were like doing all the things about wise womenhood. And I would be able to ask them these questions like, how do you integrate spirituality? When did you know that it was safe to show all colors of yourself? And through the interviews and through time, I was being influenced by people that went before me and that were brave and that were courageous. And I was like, they're safe. And they're not only safe, but they have a tremendous following that are so thirsty to talk about these topics that have maybe been under the rug or taboo. And so like, again, it's that deconditioning. It's that really dissolving, limiting beliefs that this has to stay hidden or I'm going to be judged. And I have to say, it's still an ongoing process. Just this week, I presented to the International Coaching Federation chapter in upstate New York. And I was reviewing with Cher, who's my bestie and my past business partner. And I was saying, you know, I'm going to be talking about coaching presence and how you integrate emotional intelligence to amplify your coaching presence. And in my heart, I can't do that without doing a grounding and centering meditation. And she's like, oh no, that's a bad idea. Like this is a corporate environment. You're used to working with all women. You're going to have men and women. They're not into that touchy feely woo woo stuff. I really, really don't think you should do that. So I was like, man, so I was trying to craft the presentation, not doing that. And then like my intuition kept bubbling up. This is who you are. Like, like it or lump it, like this is what makes me feel on purpose, makes me feel fulfilled. And I feel it's important. And so I put it in. And interestingly enough, the feedback I got from a few of the participants was that was their favorite piece of the whole entire hour presentation. And that reinforced to me, always trust your intuition, always go with what feels right to you, what you have experience in, regardless of those voices that might be telling you, hey, this isn't kind of the right way. So that was how I started cracking into it and continue to kind of test my own limits or boundaries. And now it's really something that I have incorporated in my soul print method, which is really this stepped program that combines mindset and emotional intelligence to help you dial in your productivity, enhance your performance and optimize your profits. Those are all the things clients want, right? Are those three big P's. But to get there, it's this under the surface layer where we're really looking at your deep why. Like, what is your faith foundation? Why are you even doing this? What makes you feel joy during the day? And how do we bring that more and more to the table? So to me, my goal is to really have work be worship and to be able to even incorporate more of my mission deeper into my work. And that's still like an unveiling. Like, Chelsea, who knows? Maybe next year, like I will be a fully like, who knows, spiritual like mentor. But right now I just, I like weave it in in a gentle way because again, people are so focused on the profits. They're focused on the time management. And I see such a craving and such a feminine energy rising right now where they are so thirsty to even understand intuition understand like, what do you mean by deep? Why? Like, sounds cool, but I have no clue how to get there. Like there's a thirst now that they want to feel good. And we don't feel good by having more white space in our calendar. Like ultimately we will, 
but there's a different sense of fulfillment outside of just feeling physically well. When you are spiritually well, there is an integrated deep sense of fulfillment. And that's really what excites me. Oh, Casey, I feel like this is divine timing because I have been feeling a little bit disconnected from my spirituality lately, which is so funny because last year, one of my courses was all about spirituality. That's what my messaging was. I was constantly leading people through meditations. And that was part of my work. I would literally kick off coaching sessions, like you said, with a meditation, or we'd wrap up with some type of breathing exercise. And slowly, just as maybe when I started traveling or something, I've been a bit disconnected where I kind of wake up, my jaw is clenched. I'll make some breakfast, maybe work out and then kind of just open the laptop, work, 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 shut it down, go to bed, rinse and repeat. And there's part of me that's like, what is missing? It's not my work is very fulfilling. I love the clients I work with. I love what I do. I feel confident. And lately, it has been that spiritual piece, like I'm not listening to my intuition or body. And so it's just such a good reminder of you know, especially as women, like I have a cycle, I need to work with my cycle, I need to tap into my body's intelligence, before I just fill up my calendar with 100 meetings just for the sake of doing it. So this is such a good message at the right time for me, but I'm sure my listeners too, because I think that's the, the issue a lot of us have is while we're building our business, we invest in coaches and courses that are very business oriented, strategic, tactical, but then we kind of lose touch with the feminine, like you said, of the emotion, the intelligence, the mindset. And it seems like that's really what your work is here to help people do integrate both. Absolutely. Integrate both. And to me, like that true fulfillment is about holistic wealth, which is our physical, our emotional, our spiritual, financial, collective, like the world, the planet and connective, our relationships. So the financial is one sixth of that pie. And if we don't have energy and vitality in that physical segment, we're never going to have the fuel needed to make everything come alive. If we don't have that emotional intelligence to know about our own self-actualization, our own interpersonal relationships, how do we have stress tolerance? You're never going to be able to continue to optimize. The other thing Once you get the framework down of business, and especially now there's so many resources out there that you can plug in, you can learn about automation, you can get somebody to set up a funnel for you and make a great lead magnet. Once you get those in, that's like your black and white. The rest is you, your personality and your vibration that's actually going to attract your vibe. Your vibe is going to attract the divine right clients and bring your tribe to you. It's not going to necessarily be the shiny funnel. That's just like the logistical framework that you need. So here's the thing. If you're depleted, if you're exhausted, if you're insecure, if you're just chasing your tail, who's going to want that? Who's going to want to bring on that? I always look at mentors. Do they have what I want? Someone can talk a tremendous game, but how do you look like, and I know that that sounds a little judgmental, but do you have dark circles and puffy face and like, you know, like out of control and you're teaching holistic wellness? I'm probably not going to hire you. I mean, I won't hire you, but if, if you're coming to the table and it's just like, you're grounded. Like there was one guest on my show and she was just like, she had this internal fire. And I was like, she's got something like, it didn't even matter. She could have been saying like peanut butter, jelly and pancakes. And I'd be like, tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more. Because, you know, once we unveiled it, it's like she has a Qigong practice. She has a daily yoga practice. Like she's, you know, she does the, the nutritional IV drips. Like she is so tuned in 
to energy and vitality being like a pillar of who she is that she just radiates and is magnetic. I mean, her hashtag is magnetic as fuck, right? So it's like, it takes a lot of confidence to have your own hashtag like that. So I think once we can lean into, okay, cool, we've got the framework in place. Now, how do I show up in a way that is going to be true amplified leadership? I love that. I love what you just said too, of making it a pillar of your life, like what that woman did, because I think a lot of us are like, oh, I'll get to it later. You know, when the day's over and if I have time, maybe I'll go to yoga or maybe I'll make myself a healthy meal. And that's a lot. Again, I think a lot of this comes from corporate America where people eat at their desks and they're taking phone calls on the elevator while they're walking to another meeting. And it's, it's that nervous system regulation of, okay, we need to like actually take a deep breath, calm down, relax, or it's safe to not have to be on your phone or Zoom or, you know, answering emails 24-7. So this is such a good reminder. I want to talk a little bit about emotional intelligence. For anybody that isn't even familiar with the term, how would you describe emotional intelligence? Yeah, so it's basically how you deal with and relate to emotions of yourself and of others. And so that's kind of the nutshell version. And there is like an online assessment tool that is from EQI 2.0. They have like 25 years of research and science behind emotional intelligence. And what that does is it gives you this snapshot in time to see how you are dialed into the different composites of emotional intelligence, like interpersonal relationships and decision-making and stress tolerance and things that we mentioned. And the cool thing about emotional intelligence is that once you're mindful of it, you can actually strengthen all of those subscales, all of those components of emotional intelligence and have a better relationship with them versus your IQ, which is kind of set and your personality traits, which are kind of set. So it's like, once you do like a disc analysis, or, you know, a lot of times, even knowing your sun sign, it's like, okay, we kind of get into this, I'm a, like I even did, I'm a Taurus. So in that way, I'm stubborn, like, we kind of associate to the labels of these assessments. The difference with emotional intelligence is you start to learn your empathetic skills. You start to kind of learn how you make decisions and how you interpret emotions to help you make decisions. So it really can help illuminate not only your personal life, but your business life as well, because it's like, how am I communicating with this person? And if something goes wrong, like, am I going from zero to 60? Like, what's my anger management like? How aware am I of someone else's emotions and where they're coming from and meeting them where they are? It really, I mean, whether you're a team of one, which we're always interacting with other people like our vendors or our podcast producers or somebody's helping us like, you know, drive the ship forward, you still have many, many relationships that can be improved by enhancing your emotional intelligence. Certainly as you scale and you grow team, that's even going to help you even on a greater level. I love that. I worked actually with an emotional, a mindset and emotional intelligence coach last year. And I was, the course was about distinguishing the difference between therapy and mindset coaching. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we walked through some examples of having emotional intelligence in your coaching practice. And one of the things she mentioned was, you know, when someone doesn't re-sign with you and you don't retain them as a client, if you don't have the emotional intelligence, you can take that really personal and even start to resent the person of like, why didn't they re-sign? I did such an amazing job. Like, I hate them. I can't believe they didn't want to re-sign. 
instead of reframing it as like, maybe they actually got all the tools they needed in our container and they've learned enough that they don't need me again. And so I'm curious, you have examples of that where we can reframe or something maybe that people tend to do that you see often that we could work on to enhance our emotional intelligence. Yeah, absolutely. So making stuff up is a big one. So one of the things that you just said, like, oh, this means that like the meaning making of our life and what happens, whether it's something as simple as someone waves to you on the street, or you wave to them, they don't wave back. And all of a sudden, you're like, well, what's their problem? Like, what the heck? Like, what did I do wrong? Like, we could be making all these things. And in reality, it could be that they just didn't see you. Or someone didn't respond to a proposal that you spent two hours creating. You could be having lots of meaning making and making things up. And so one component in emotional intelligence is reality testing and really asking if it's true. And to me, I think a big piece of that, I'm a fan of Byron Katie's work, the work. And so to me, that really dovetails into reality testing. And she really boils it down to three questions. Is it true? How can you know if it's absolutely true? And how do you feel when you believe that thought? And so when you look at emotional intelligence and mindset, and you think of those questions, like asking yourself when you're coming up against a struggle, a challenge, when your mind's spinning out and telling you that it means this and it means that, but we really don't have any facts to back it up. And it could be anything. It could be that you put your heart and soul into a launch and you had crickets. That can turn an entrepreneur's mind and heart upside down and they can really start, you know, second guessing their content and so many things. And so really like, is it true? Like, did they think my stuff was junk? You know, is it absolutely true? Like, did you really literally factually, can it be proven in a court of law (laughs) that that was true and you have backup? And how do you feel and how does it affect your behaviors when you believe that thought? This now taps into cognitive behavioral therapy, where our thoughts control our feelings, which have a direct association to our action or non-action, which ultimately reflect our results or our, you know, contribute to our results. And when you take that scenario of like a failed launch, for example, like if you're thinking, oh my God, everyone hated my stuff. Like, why should I even bother? I just put a month of time and X number of dollars into learning all the ways to do it right. And no one showed up. How is it going to make you feel when you're in that mindset? You're going to feel like a failure. You're going to feel insecure. All of those feelings of imposter syndrome are going to rise to the surface. Your brain's now going to start trying to look for proof. Oh, yeah. Remember when this didn't work too? And you had like zero opt-ins on that lead magnet that you worked so hard on? Like your mind will now start being like a matching agency to kind of like reinforce those thoughts and those feelings. Now, how is it going to hit when we're at that mindset cascade number three in the actions? You're going to have poor action or no action. You may even go into that fight, flight, freeze mode again. You may get into that procrastination so we can perfect sometimes. And I fell into this many times. It's like, that didn't work. Let me dig my heels in harder and perfect it and perfect it and like learn all the things. I was on a course carousel for years. Let me get one more certification to then really prove to myself that I'm going to never be able to fail. We're just kidding ourselves. And so back to that example, the results category, what kind of results is that entrepreneur going to have if they started with that cascade? Super lackluster. They may never even launch again, you know? And so to flip that around and really go back to the top, it's like, how do we 
it's not about turning a frown upside down. And I really want to say that because I think that this toxic positivity, when we're looking at personal development, can also be detrimental. So I just want to make a caveat here that when we're looking at flipping the mindset cascade, it's not about creating a false reality. So we trick ourselves and we like fake it till we make it and manifest. And then it's going to all work out because in my experience, that doesn't work like that. But it's literally like, where is some truth to this? And then kind of looking at it from there and seeing the difference when you can think of like, okay, I didn't, I didn't have a successful launch, but, and then you look at all the things. And that's also part of that debriefing analysis of like, oh, maybe I didn't have the math right. Like maybe that's when you do kick in to that linear logical side of the brain, which I also think helps balance when we get spun out emotionally of like, okay, this is a numbers game. So if I didn't have X people and the average conversion rate is 2%, well, of course I'm only gonna have one or two people sign up because I didn't have the numbers yet. So it could be something that you can easily dissect. And it's very different of like, okay, cool. Well, now what's the solution? Maybe I need to have more visibility in order to amp up my list and exposure. Maybe I need to look into ads in order to bring in more traffic to this situation. It's far different than I am a loser. I suck and everything I do is never going to be received. So you can mm-hmm. see the difference. And, and that's really where mindset and emotional intelligence can separate a struggling entrepreneur to a, an entrepreneur that is dedicated to being pro and making those incremental changes as they grow. Because to me, success is a long haul. And in order to have that, those are kind of like the mental conditioning that we need to to settle into. Oh, I love that. And I think if, if you really look at what you're saying, it's all an experiment, right? If you can almost reframe, you know, the launch was an experiment. So yeah, maybe I didn't have one or two variables that I needed that I need to include next time. And we'll see if that works. Like if you actually think of yourself as a scientist, scientists don't do experiments to fail or not fail. It's literally testing a hypothesis. And then they're like, okay, that didn't come out to, or we didn't get the conclusion we needed. Let's try it this way. They're not like, oh, the experiment did not work. So I'm not going to be a scientist. Like that's not how it works. So if you almost think of yourself as a scientist of your business and everything's an experiment, you keep experimenting until the hypothesis that you want becomes the actual conclusion. So I feel like, yes, I love what you just said. So something that I feel like a lot of people that are listening right now, like, you know, my audience is definitely people that are early on in their business. And you've had so much experience that I think really what people are craving is a sense of neutrality or sustainability of like, does this ever not feel hard? Like, will I ever feel like I'm just cruising or neutral or, you know, not constantly every day? Like, what the hell is happening? (laughs) So what is your biggest piece of advice or best piece of advice to someone that is just craving that sustainability or neutrality that makes them, you know, talking about nervous system, calms their nervous system and, you know, give us that uh, glimpse of hope that that is possible. Okay. I'm going to be straight talking to you. If you're aiming for neutrality, you probably shouldn't be an entrepreneur. Okay. Because here's the thing. Neutrality is not going to come from external circumstances, but what you can control is your own nervous system in the way of what type of calming, balancing, grounding practices do you have in place that you can control? And we can control what's in our own mind. 
and we have the autonomy to control our body. So when it comes to those fundamentals of sleep, movement, you know, what are you eating? Are you eating foods that are going to juice you up and give you vitality? Are you doing grounding meditation or visualization? You know, once you get those dialed in, those are the pieces that will make you anti-fragile. So when the things come, the turbulence comes, the failed launches come, you know, the contracts that whatever, breach contracts, people not fulfilling their invoices or promises, those are going to happen because you can't control those external situations, nor would you want to, because how boring would it be if it was just a flat line your whole life? Like part of the energy, the motivation, the creativity, the enthusiasm is this freedom lifestyle. And freedom lifestyle is also connected to unlimited potential and possibilities. So I don't want to damper down and be a flat line, right? Because let's go to sleep if we want that. But we also want to be able to be resilient and anti-fragile when it comes to turbulence. And so I think there's a delineation between neutrality when it comes to just and also non-reactive, not attached to the outcome neutrality as an entrepreneur. So Once you make that distinction and you realize that you control your emotions and your reactions and your behaviors, and now that you're tapped into this mindset cascade and you know that just shifting perspective from the mental aspect is ultimately going to drive results, which is what you're looking for, and change the way you feel, which is like emotions drive behavior. That's a scientific fact. Emotions drive behavior. So the goal of neutrality. I would say I would want to just shape shift that a little bit to a goal of grounded confidence that you can handle anything that comes your way. Oh, absolutely love that. I think that is a beautiful note to end on. So I actually just have one more question that I ask all my guests. This podcast is called In My Non-Expert Opinion. So what is something that you're not an expert in that you wish that you were? Oh, man. I am not an expert in running and I've always like just admired runners. I thought that like when I see them, I'm just like, you're so courageous and like dedicated and pushing through physically. And so, yeah, I have no clue when it comes to running, but I've always admired people that like have that practice. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much, Casey. I know people are going to want to work with you. So can you tell us where to find you and what's coming up? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at CaseyRossi.com or tune into Women Developing Brilliance, the spirit of business where I had the great pleasure of interviewing you. So I know they're going to want to tap into that interview as well because you shared amazing wisdom. And for me, I have a group offering coming up called Heart Centered CEO. Heart Glow CEO is the name of the program. And this is really where we can incorporate all these aspects that we talked about of the integrated aspect, the heart the mind, our gut intuition, how do we come to the table as a fully authentic, alive human being? So that's going to be coming up on the docket shortly. Oh my gosh. Amazing. I know people are going to definitely want to sign up for that because you shared such incredible insights today. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to see you again. Well, there you have it. Advice from someone who's been in the game for over 30 years that I think we all could learn from. I hope you all really consider that you do have the power to create a sustainable business and lifestyle for yourself by restructuring things. You don't have to do things the way you've done them before. 
you can say no to more things, and you can develop bulletproof boundaries. It's not easy and it won't happen overnight, but every bit adds up. Be sure to hear more of Casey's wisdom on her incredible podcast, Women Developing Brilliance, The Spirit of Business, and catch me on episode 192, where we talked all about launching a jaw-dropping podcast. And if you love this episode, you are definitely going to love the lineup for the next few weeks, as I talk to so many incredible entrepreneurs, from someone who built a software, to a spiritual business strategist, to someone who says that you definitely do not need social media to run your business. I know some of you just paused and stopped and almost dropped your jaw. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in the next month. So get ready. There are so many incredible episodes coming up. And don't forget, I want to hear from you. So leave a voice note in the show notes. All you have to do is go to my show notes, and I will very clearly highlight the link. Click that and record your voice note for the next episode. If you get it in soon, I could actually plug it into next week's episode. Now, this can be a question on podcasting, money, travel, anything you want to hear from me. I will deliver my either expert or non-expert opinion on it and then plug it in each episode. And don't forget, if you leave a review, you could win the interview like Oprah Masterclass. I'm giving that away to two lucky winners this month. All you have to do is take a screenshot of your review. So this is a written review, which you do on Apple Podcasts, not Spotify. I don't know what the hell Spotify is doing, not allowing written reviews, but hopefully soon we will see that. So right now, this is just for Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot of your review, send it to info at chelsearipe.com or just DM me at chelsearipe and I will enter you into the giveaway, which I will pull out the end of the month. All right, y'all. I know I went silent for a little bit, but don't worry. I'm coming back. I've been recording episodes left, right, front and center, and there might even be something new coming out in the next few weeks. So stay tuned and keep your ears peeled. I don't even think that's a saying, but keep them peeled. All right. See you next week.